Well, last night, Saddleback had Barack and McCain. Tonight, Warehouse got Albert Tate. What's up? How y'all doing? Um, I, how, how many of y'all watched the Saddleback deal? Just a few? Not so much, huh? All right, well, we want to talk about it. All right. Uh, Psalm 139. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting. Psalm 139 is where you can find me tonight. Looking at this psalm, we've been in a series called Songs of Experience, Singing the Blues. And we've been in this all summer long. And I tell you, it's been a blessing to me. And tonight, oh, this, this psalm tonight is so, so rich. Uh, to be honest, I feel overwhelmed because it will be impossible for me to really navigate this whole psalm tonight. Uh, we we want to get out at a decent time because we want to have our family gathering. But I would just encourage you, even after we leave this place tonight, just sit and take time this week and read Psalm 139. It is so rich. It is my prayer that it will minister to us, not just tonight, but all throughout the week. Uh, psalm 139, and it reads... O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts. Even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You, you go before me and follow me. You're, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you to you. The night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watch me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Verse 19, O God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Finally, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that may offend, that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Tonight, this psalm talks about knowing God. Knowing God. 
pretty bold statement to make. As I sit in uh, many classes there at, theological, at Fuller Theological Seminary, uh, many of our, our heart's desires to sit in the class and hopefully to walk out of that place knowing God better, knowing more about his theology, knowing more about him. And, and the more that I go to school and the more that I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know. Uh, this idea of knowing God, for some, uh, it, it could be a very arrogant statement. And, and I just want to set clear expectation. When we talk about this idea of knowing God, it's not this idea that some would like to express. This idea that I, I, everything that there is to know about God is fully known and fully understood. Uh, that, that God, he, he makes so much sense. He's logical. It's, it's all, I got it all wrapped up. As a matter of fact, I can put him in a nice little box with a nice little bowl and give him to you for Christmas. I can, I can, I can, I can tell you all the complexities of God and I can figure it out. Just here, read this book and I can just show you or, or take this book and read my little pamphlet with six bullet points that explains everything about God. No friends. This, this whole idea of knowing God has nothing to do with my ability to wrap my mind around God. It kind of, it kind of makes me think about, uh, I remember when I was in the first grade, I remember the day we learned addition. I remember the day. I remember the first time I saw the little plus sign, the first time it was explained to me, this is what it means. And I remember her saying, tomorrow we'll learn subtraction. I really don't rem- what ha- remember what happened the next day. That's probably why my math is a little funny, but I remember the addition day. And I remember general math, and I remember being so excited because I remember, I get it. One plus one is two. I get it. It makes sense. It adds up. <laughs> but then it started getting a little cloudy. I mean, when you start putting letters in math, you just lose me. And when you start, when, I mean, I was like, oh, happy multiplication. I was kind of memorizing them. But, dog, they started putting little dashes and fractions and reducing and different kind of numbers. You mean they different numbers? I thought they was all the same. You know, you got even, I mean, you just, and then they start putting letters and then algebra. Oh, my God, the FOIL system. Oh, just, ah, I still don't get it. I mean, I flunked algebra so many times. They were just like, just go ahead on, dog. Just... Just, you ain't even gotta have algebra, just go. You know, I mean, it was just, just crazy. And, and it's like, the basics I could wrap my mind around, but when it came to this algebra and then trigger, no, I mean, it just gets crazy. There's no way in the world I could wrap my mind around it. So if I can't wrap my mind around the foil system, I know I can't wrap my mind around God. As a matter of fact, it scares me. People that say they understand God, it makes me wonder, if you can wrap your mind around God, I'm not sure if that's a God that I really want to serve. If that big, great God can fit in your little bitty mind, I'm not sure if we serve in the same one. Because there'll be times when I'm going to need a real big, great God. And if that great God can fit in your little simple mind, then maybe that's not the same God we're talking about. Friends, we're talking about the creator of the universe, and there's no way that we can fully know God. It, but but it, but it's not like a defeat. Let me give up and go smoke crack or something. No, it's not like that at all. It's like it's like this idea. It's kind of like it's kind of how many of you are in an intimate? No, no, well, not intimate. How many of you are in a relationship with this, uh, the opposite sex, like girlfriend, boyfriend, like dating? All right, married. Some of y'all married. Okay, check it out. It's kind of like with me and my wife, Larosa. We've been married for about six years, and it's like I know Larosa, but there's still layers to her that I'm still figuring out. I don't fully know her. Now, there'll be some men that'll get up and say something stupid like, man, I know women, dog. Just slap them and just walk away. Just, they have no idea what they're talking about, right? 
But but it's, it's this idea of knowing that my, my wife, she has many layers in every year, every month, every week, every day, every moment. I have the pleasure of getting to know her in a deeper and more intimate way. Every every it's like it's like she always amazes me with these new layers of who she is. And I get to know her better. Yes, I knew her on the day I married her, like, which is good if you're going to get married. That's always good. But it's like the next year I knew more. And now six years down the line, I know more. And it makes me work and, and pursue with great anticipation of what the next six years, what the next 20 years, what the next 50 years will bring. So it's not this idea where I say I know or I can put her in the box and just sit her on the, on the, on the table. Although there are days, well, I shouldn't say that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but, yeah, I was just kidding, baby. Um, I'm sure she's going to be listening to the podcast. So I got to put that in. Brother got to sleep tomorrow night. All right. So. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, the box. So it's like, that, so it's not like I know her in an effort to try to lock her down and say, I got her figured out. But it's like, I know her. But there's still so much more to know. And as we approach this idea of knowing God, I want you to understand that, yes, there are things that we know about God. But friends, there's still so much more for us to learn. And my prayer is that our Christian walk will be this relentless pursuit of the layers of God so that we can embrace him. And when we understand and comprehend, he would say, now walk a little further. And there will be more to understand and to comprehend. And it is my prayer that that will be our experience throughout all eternity. God is not a God where we come in this place and we want to learn as much as we can so we can put a nice little bow on him and say, now he makes sense. No. My prayer is that every now and then God will throw something in your life and say, just when I thought you, I knew you, you go and turn and do something that just blows my mind. As we talk about this idea of knowing God, please understand that we're in pursuit, a relentless, eternal pursuit of knowing him, one that will last throughout all eternity. David, 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 he shows us some things in this Psalms, though. He, he, he shows us some key things that we can learn about God that will enhance our knowledge and our experience with God. This journey, he begins in verse, uh, verse 1 of uh, this Psalm 139. He says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts. Even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and uh, when I rest at home. You know everything I I do. Wait a minute, God. You sound a little nosy. Uh, I, I was reading that and I was like, you know, God, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that. It's, it's kind of like, it's like, you know, we know each other. I mean, we, we see you. We know each other in here. Jeremy, I, you know, Vanessa, we know you, but we don't know you. You know what I mean? It's like, we don't see what go on. Y'all could have been fighting in the car on the way up here. You know what I mean? God forbid, I'm just, you know, this is just a joke, illustration. You know what I mean? But y'all, y'all could have been, you know what I mean? We know Vanessa a little bit better because her uterus was just on the screen. Uh, so we, we just got one step closer to her life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel, you know. Hello? Hello? Okay. All right. So, you know. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, now she's red. I'm sorry. I mean, you your uterus. Anyway, okay. So, but it's like it's like we 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 know the parts that you know the parts that I want you to know. You know what I mean? It's like 
It's like we let you in on the parts that we want to let you in on. It's like if Ryan was introducing himself, he's not going to introduce himself and introduce the bad stuff. He's going to say, hi, I'm Ryan. Here, I got a great personality. You probably wouldn't say that, but I just put words. It's an illustration. Uh, it's a, we, I'm Ryan, you know, but he's not going to say, hi, I'm Ryan, and I... I wet the bed until I was 22. You know what I mean? He's not going to expose that kind of information. You know, he's just not going to tell us that. Why? Because you don't want people to know that. You know, although he took medication and he's okay now, but that's still not for... (laughs) I'm just kidding, I think. I don't know. We ain't talked about that. But you know... But, it, but it's this idea that we don't put that kind of stuff out there. And to be honest, we don't want to really invite people into that kind of area. We don't want to have a video camera that follows all of the areas of our life because there are areas in our life that we're not excited about. There are areas of our life that we're not proud of. And there are areas of our life that we just don't want you to see. So this idea of God seeing every area, this idea of God knowing everything about me is a little scary. It's, it, it, the, the fact that he knows my, my most... My innermost thoughts. I mean, sometimes when I'm sitting in church, I'm sure yours does too. Sometimes my mind just wonders. I mean, it's just like mind just goes all over the place. Unfortunately, I got this disconnect between my mind and my mouth. So a lot of times what I'm thinking will just come out. Like Ryan, you know, and his little issue. You know what I mean? That, that's probably something that should have stayed in here, but it just kind of came out. But what if we were sitting in church and every time you thought something, a bubble popped up and we knew what you were thinking? It would be a crazy church service. Because we don't want people to know the innermost parts of who we are. Because there are things in that area that's not all that well put together. There are things in that area that, that's just not ready for public display. But God says, I know you. I know every area about you. I know all of you. And David didn't take offense to it. As a matter of fact, David embraced it. It was as if it was a relief to him. It was exciting to him. And I could really understand that. I reflect back on my years in in high school. Whoa. And uh, when I was in when I was in high school, I really hit a dark season in my life Um, around the 10th grade. uh, I just start skipping school skipping school and just not going. Not only did I start skipping school, but I remember hanging out with friends and cousins and we'd all skip school together and we just do crazy stuff. I mean, we would go out uh, and they introduced me to a whole lot of things, a lot of things that I'm really not proud of, but I remember smoking weed for the first time in the 10th grade. Uh, one of my friends had lost his grandfather. So we were riding around in the graveyard where his grandfather was buried in the middle of the day Smoking weed. And I remember watching it happen. And I remember that just kind of becoming a part of my life and then just drinking alcohol. And I just remember that just kind of becoming this whole season. And for the next two years, my life was spent like that. I mean, for the next year and a half or so. And it got to the point where it was affecting my grades. I mean, I went I didn't go to school for two weeks in a whole row where I just stayed at home, just didn't go to school at all. And so you can imagine what my English grade was looking like. I remember we got progress reports, and I got this progress report one time, and um, my average was a seven. Like seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of a hundred. But, you know me, I was... I was a great manipulator, so I went home, and my mama found it. I had no intentions of her seeing it. So she come in my room all upset, and she was like, what is this? What are you doing with a seven average? I was like, mom, that's out of, it's on a scale of one to ten. So I'm doing okay. She was like, oh, okay. 
Yeah, it was a little rough. But she's, 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 I was good, though. I, I convinced her. But that cycle began to come and haunt me. And in the best of my moments, if I was having a great day, there was something that always reminded me, Albert, you're living a lie. And that the reality is you're flunking out of school. And this lie went on all the way up to the summer before my senior year. My mom had been asking me for my report card. My mom had been asking me. I had been able to fool her by not turning in a report card or create my own and signing one. I mean, I was just doing all kinds of stuff. But she had been asking me and asking me. And I had said, oh, it's, uh, it's, I, I forgot to pick it up at school. Or I left it in my locker. Or, well, this one summer night, I'll never forget it. I was sitting on the couch at my house and sitting there with my sister and we were watching TV. And I remember my mother screaming from the back room. She said, Albert, bring me your report card. And you better not have any excuses. And I knew in that moment that this was the night that the last two years of my life was about to be exposed. I knew that in this moment, all the lying that I had been doing for the last 10 years, all the deceiving, all the manipulating, all the skipping school, all the drugs, all of the, all of the things that I had been involved in, the drinking, the alcohol, it was about to be exposed. And I'll never forget walking to her room and her and my dad were just sitting there laying in the bed. And I remember her asking me, now, where is your report card? And I remember this is the moment that I had feared for two years. And in that moment, I took a deep breath. And when I went on to tell my Christian mother, who was the worship leader at our church, that her son had not only been skipping school, but had flunked out of school, was not about to be graduating anytime soon with all of his friends. Not only that, but your son had been smoking marijuana and had been drinking alcohol, had been on street corners where drug deals had been going down. And I remember telling my mother this and telling the story and the tears streaming down my face. And I never forget it. My mother got up out of the bed. She looked at me in utter shock. And tears began to stream down her face and she ran to me with her arms open and grabbed me. And I remember in that moment taking a deep breath and saying, She knows. The peace of getting it out and her knowing. No longer did I have to lie. No longer did I have to hide. No longer did I have to cheat. In this moment, for the first time in the last 10 years, Albert Tate was fully known. And it was a relief. David... David says in verse 5, he says, God, you go before me and you follow me. Here it is. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. Friends, God knows you. He, he, he knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm convinced that what David is trying to push us to see is not to try to run away as if God is some nosy God and that there are areas that we want to hide from him and there are areas that we want to cover from him. But he's saying, come out and expose and feel the freedom and the peace of being fully known by God. When my mother found out the truth about me, my dad was sitting there. 
I remember my mother holding me and hugging me. And in that moment, me knowing that not only does she know me, but she still loves me. Not, not, not only does she know all of the stuff that I've done, but in spite of all of that, she can still sit here and hold her dropout, druggy son. Friends, let me tell you something. He knows who you are. He knows all of who you are. Not, not just the peace that you show us here at the warehouse. Not just the peace that they see at, jo- at the job. Not just the peace that, 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 that they see at home. But he knows all of you. He knows your innermost thoughts. And not only does he know you, but he loves you. He loves you. Stanza 2. David goes from this concept and he says in verse 7, he says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the mornings, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, God, you are there. The first one is this this idea of a, of a nosy God, but we see he's really not a nosy God. It's just a God that knows us. The second one, it, it, it almost sounds, it sounds like stalker God. It, it, it does. It, it almost sounds like stalker God. Listen to this. If, if Ladies, if a dude wrote you a letter and he said this, what, what would you think? I can never escape from you. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, hold on, dog. I need to get a restraining order or something. Why are you all over where I am? It's this idea because there are moments when you just kind of want to get away. There's an old saying in my old neighborhood. It was whenever somebody got frustrated and whenever somebody got real agitated, somebody was like, shoot, she almost made me lay my religion down. As if you can just take your religion off like a shirt and go and handle your business and go and pick your religion back up. You know, it was like it was like there, there are moments and there are times when I would just love just to walk away from God. Just God, just take a little nap, take a little cat nap real quick so I can go and do something. Do something that you probably wouldn't approve of. Do something that you probably wouldn't appreciate and then come back and put Jesus back on. It's like it's this idea of wanting to just kind of get away and break away. But God is saying, no, regardless of where you go, I'm there. You can go to the highest of heavens. I'm there. You can go to the depths of the earth. I'm there. If you get on, if you if you go on the other side of the ocean, like 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 Europe or something, you know, like like Beijing, if you were, yeah, I don't know. But if you went way away to Narnia or something like that, you know, he says, I am there. You can't get away from me. You can't escape. You can't get out. I'm in here. Now, <laughs> that's a sign from uh, that's a, uh, a scene from uh, What's Love Got to Do With it? Anybody seen that before? Come on. Y'all ain't seen What's Love Got That's like a black anthem. Like you. I know most of y'all not black, but you still, you, you need to be able to see that. We, alright, we gonna have a what's love got to do with it movie night at the warehouse Sunday night. Y'all haven't seen that for real? Huh, I can't even preach now, I'm done. Y'all seen it? That's what I'm talking about. Two old white men have seen the movie and y'all ain't seen it. What is up with that? That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this is shame. This is ridiculous. Now they should, now I expect them to see the bucket list, but, 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 but I mean, come on, that's what I'm talking about. Alright. Jeez. Even if you go to the movies to see the bucket list, he is there. (laughs) The the point is, God is saying, regardless of where you are, you can't, I'm, I'm right there with you. And it almost sounds like this stalker God, but if you listen to it, David is saying something much deeper than that. 
the, the, the passage it says in, in the King James in the original, it says, if you, if you go down to the depths of hell, I'm there. Anybody, anybody ever been in a dark place in your life? I remember in, in, in junior college, I remember going through this, this state of depression where I was really depressed for probably about four to five weeks. And I mean, depressed to where sunlight aggravated me. I wanted to keep the blinds down. I didn't go to class. I stayed in my dorm room all day long, all because I, I just wanted to stay. And I wanted to live in isolation. I didn't answer the phone. I didn't communicate with him. I really wanted to be by myself. And I found myself attracted in, 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 in living in utter darkness. I didn't want to be anywhere. David, David, he talks about that and he says, even in the darkness, you are there. It's almost as if he's saying, even in my darkest moment, in my roughest place, in my most, here it is, in my most immoral state. Have you ever messed up and felt so guilty, felt so ashamed and felt so isolated and so alone. And David is saying, even in my isolated, dark place, God, you are here. You are here. My, my darkness is nothing compared to your light. Even my darkness is light to you. I try to use my darkness to hide me, but my darkness could never compromise the power of your light. Even in darkness, even in shame, even in guilt, even in sin, God, you are there. There's nothing that I can do to escape your love and your light and your power. There's nothing that you're willing to allow to separate me. I can't get away from your love if I tried it. I can't escape your presence. Just tonight, as I was preparing the message, this morning when I was at church, I got a word that this young man had run away from home and his mom was worried because he was missing. So I was praying and all day and just before I came up tonight, he was here at the church and he wanted to see me. So he walks in, his mom has called the police, they're looking for him. He walks in, he's drunk, and he's high. Been smoking weed, been drinking, been out all night long, and there he is, sitting in my office. And you could just see the darkness. You could just see the, the, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment. Him feeling like he's just unworthy for, for, for life or whatever. And I look at him and I just say, so what's the deal, man? Tell me, what's up? And he, and he, he says, well, I, I know you got to go to warehouse. I mean, can I? I said, you know what? Don't even talk. Just listen. And I leaned in close. And I looked him dead in his eyes. And I said, God has a plan for your life. When I said that, the tears came streaming down his face. And this drunk, high, dark young man got a flash of the light of God in that moment. And basically what God is saying, even as you sit here drunk and high, I'm here. And I've got a plan for your life. You can't go far enough away. 
to escape the love and the purpose and the plans for God's for God's for, that, that God has for your life. You, you can't get in a dark enough corner to pull you out because what God does is he reaches into the darkness with his hand and he engages you. He finds you and he sets you up. He turns your heart. Listen to what David says. Listen to what David says. David says, verse 10, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Even there in my darkness, even there in the dark times, even when I, I, there there are times when I don't even want to be kept. There are times when I don't even want, I don't even want to hear anything religious or spiritual. Even in those moments, your, your hand, they come and they engage me and they support me. This young man that was sitting in my office probably didn't want to be engaged, didn't want to be supported. But even in that moment when I said that God had a plan for his life, the tears welled up in his eyes because he felt the loving hand of God reaching out to him and saying, even in darkness, even in moments like this, I will support you. I will hold you together until you get it together. Did y'all hear what I just said? I said, I will hold you together until you get it together. It's not too dark for my love to show up and to shine in your life. He's not a stalker God. He's a God that has a relentless pursuit for your life. And he's not willing to give up on you. So I don't want you to give up on him. I don't care what you're going through the night. I don't care how dark you may feel your situation is. Don't give up on God. Because he has a plan for your life. And he will not give up on you. He has a plan for your life. No, he's not a stalker God. He's a relentless God. A God that loves you unconditionally. And he's not going to let you get away from him. Because he loves you too much. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. But there's somebody in this place tonight who you feel as if you're in a dark place. You feel as if your life is isolated and is not connected to God. I want to encourage your heart tonight. Know that he has not given up on you and he is there. You can't go to a place dark enough. You can't go to a place high enough. You can't get drunk enough. You can't get high enough. You can't get disconnected enough. You can't even be angry enough to keep God from loving you and putting his hand in your life. He loves you and he's there for you. He knows you. He's willing to pursue you. This last part, it talks about this idea. You made all the delicate innermost parts of my life. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It's this this idea. It's it's the nosy God. It's this. That's not really nosy, but he just knows you. It's this stalker God that's not really a stalker, but he's in his relentless pursuit of your life. And this third one, I like to call him uh, the, the, the apple God. Uh, uh, it, it's like as he paints this picture, you, you know, like Steve Jobs. I think Steve Jobs is like the smartest guy in the world. How many of y'all have like apples? Are y'all apple people, Mac people in here? So like Mac people, it's not only it's, he not only has great product, but he's marketed to where if you have Apple stuff, you think like you're cool. You know what I mean? It's like it's like a, y'all know it's a little arrogance. Let's just tell the truth. You know what I mean? I walk in a room with all these Mac people and I have my little Dell. I'd be like, oh, man, 
go in my little corner. I can't even eye chat, man. I can't even, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like he, he, he not only has this great product, but he marketed it in a way. I mean, he's just a genius. And you, and you know, uh, we, we have this Apple, uh, this Apple, uh, desktop at home. And you know that if anything goes wrong with it, it's like me. It's like if I have my iPhone. If something goes wrong with my iPhone, what, how would it look for me to go to Bonds and say, hey, y'all, can y'all help me with my iPhone? How would it look for me to go to the grocery store to get help with my iPhone? I know it's Apple, but it ain't Apple. That's, I thought that was going to be funny then. I worked on that all last night. Thank you. All right. That was good. That was good. It's, it's like, no, you go to the creator. You go to the designer. You go to the genius who created it because that's the one that knows how to fix it. I see God as he's talking about the beautiful creation of, 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 of children. And he goes to the womb and he goes to the very, uh, the, 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 the smallest details of, of the involvement and the, the, the evolution of a child growing in a woman's womb. And, and David talks about how meticulous and how great it is and how genius God is for being able to develop and create this child. He, he talks about this genius of God, and he and it's almost like it's almost like when something goes wrong, we need to go back to the Creator. Da- David is saying, even even as my wife, who's at, at nine months pregnant, as I look at, it's kind of freaky. I know I shouldn't say that while I'm preaching, but it's just kind of freaky. It's like you see her stomach, and it's like you see something just go across it. I don't know if y'all ever seen it, Vanessa. Let's. Never mind. It's, just, it, it's, it's like if you ever, it's like something moving inside and we can be in the bed and, and all of a sudden something moving, but me and La Rosa not moving. It's like something inside of her. It's kind of like alien. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's nice and beautiful and all that stuff, but it's kind of gross too. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, it's like something just kind of moves across and it's amazing. It's like that's life in there. That's another life. And as you see on the, on the sound, scan, on the, on the, what do you call it? Scantron? Scantron. Ultrasound. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you get two kids. You just, just lose all sense. It's Scantron. You just take a test for the baby. No. It's, it's like seeing the ultrasound and seeing the eyes develop and the nose and the little hands. Now, I ain't going to lie. Jeremy, I mean, y'all, it's the first child, so it'll be cute. The, the, those ultrasounds just, they kind of look gross. They, I mean, people, they'll be like, that's the head. That's the, it just all look like a big blur to me. You know what I mean? Until about the ninth month, you're like, oh, okay, I can see the spine. Yeah, that's good. But it's like, you see all that, and it's like... God is amazing. God is blowing my mind because there's life happening and that life came from me. And it came from my wife and we got together. Well, y'all have to know. I mean, but it's like that happened. And it's like, wow. So it's, 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 it's being blown away at the sovereignty and the greatness of God. But now... We can't necessarily talk about the sovereignty and the greatness of God without going into the gray areas because there are times when God will do stuff with his sovereignty and with his greatness that we just don't understand. I remember being in junior high and finding out that my mother was pregnant. And my mother was like 40-something years old, so I was thinking, Mom, you not, y'all, I didn't even know y'all was... Anyway, but it's like finding out she was pregnant... She had the baby, and two months after uh, little, little Bethany, our little sister, was born, she was born premature, and she passed away. And I remember she, she died. And I remember being at the graveside and watching my mother cry and just thinking how unnatural that is to see my mother crying over my little sister who's, who's passed away. <sighs> It's real easy for me to talk about the stuff 
and the scriptures that just make sense. And there are times when scripture adds up in one plus one and you'll get two. But friends, there are times when we serve a sovereign God when it just doesn't make sense. Watching my little sister be put in the ground did not make sense. And it still doesn't make sense. I love to say that I got to some spiritual place where I understand it. And I just read Revelation chapter 6, verse 7, and now it all makes sense. And I see why that kind of stuff happens. But it doesn't. It's a mystery, friends. I don't know why God would take a little child and allow for her to die. But in the midst of that, in the midst of that mystery, I still trust his sovereignty. It's one of those things where you've got to trust God, not 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 in the pursuit just to understand the moments, because there are moments that I will never, ever understand. But in the midst of a lack of understanding, I still trust God. I don't have an answer. I don't know why I don't. It it, it doesn't make sense to me. There are moments where it's frustrating to me. There are moments where, 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 where it angers me. But in the midst of all of that. I trust the sovereignty of God and I trust that he knows what he's doing. There's a passage here. He says, 16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And I've got to trust that for my little sister Bethany, every moment of her day was laid out by God before a day was passed. And I've got to trust him even though I don't understand him. I've got to trust him even though he doesn't make sense. The old folk in my church used to sing a song and I didn't understand it then, but I, but, I, but I understand it now. And it just simply says, by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathering home, we will tell the story of how we overcome and we will understand it better by and by. Basically, they were saying there are some things in this Christian walk that we will not understand. There's some things about our great, awesome, knowing, loving God that we will not understand. So I have accepted the fact that by and by, I will understand it better by and by. There's some things that won't even make sense until I get to glory, until I see his face. So I have to chalk it up and say, God, I will understand it better over time. I will, I will, I, but I will trust you in the midst of my lack of understanding. Friends, these were my, my great ancestors and my grandfathers and my grandmothers who lived and walked through the city streets of the civil rights movement and who saw people hanging by oak trees, hanging to a dying death and how they could look at a dead corpse sitting in their front yard of a dead African-American who had been killed and sit and look at that and say, by and by, I'll understand it better by and by. Grandmother taught me one big lesson and says, you won't understand everything about God, but you still got to trust him. You got to trust him when you can't trace him. You got to trust him when you can't find him. You got to trust to his sovereignty. You got to trust his his ability to be in control of all things when you are out of control in all things. Did y'all hear what I just said? I said, you've got to trust his ability to be in control of all things when your life is out of control. You got to trust him. You've got to trust him. Finally, he's not a nosy God, but he's a knowing God. He's not a stalker God, but he's a God who has a relentless pursuit of your life. And he's not a Steve Jobs God, but he's a sovereign God. He's a God 
who you can trust even when you can't trace. Finally, verses 19 goes to 23. It, it, it almost as if it, the, 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 the psalm kind of changes courses. We've got three stanzas and this fourth one could easily be considered a response to the first three. Verse 19, Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme. It's like, whoa, where did all the anger come from, David? It's like all of a sudden he goes into this thing about his enemies and basically he's responding to God saying, God, if you're knowing, if you're in relentless pursuit of me and if you're sovereign, what are you going to do about the enemies? What are you going to do about those who persecute you? What are you going to do about those who stand in direct opposition of who you are? Friends, it's it's a valid question. It's a valid response. It's like, oh, God, I pray that you will deal with those who work against you. I don't know if any of you ever been robbed before. Anybody ever been robbed before? It's okay. You can you can lift it up proud. It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. We've been robbed. Yes. You know what I mean? I remember somebody broke in our car and stole our radio. And I remember I was a pastor, preacher, minister, closest to God as you can get, I guess. You know, that's what my license say. But it's like I was, I was all close to God. But I'm telling you, if I would have saw somebody walking around my radio, I would have caught a case that day. Caught a case, translation, go to jail. All right? Because I was so angry and I wanted vengeance. I wanted to just, I mean, I just wanted to do something to somebody. You know what I mean? Uh, John Lewis is over our ministry council. That's over with. I've worked that out with God and that's no longer part of my life. Job security. Um, so, but, but, but I'm telling you, if I could have caught my enemy in that moment, oh, my enemy would have been dead. And David is saying, God, I need you to deal with my enemies. Because if I deal with them... I'm going I'm to deal with them in a way that's not pleasing to you. So God, I bring my enemies before you. But secondly, and where I want to land tonight and what I wanna, how, how I want to bring this message home tonight. Secondly, God, not only do I want you to deal with my enemies, but I want you to deal with the enemy in the me. Not only do I want you to deal with my enemies, but I want you to deal with my enemy in a me. Listen to these last words, and I pray that this is our prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David says, You're knowing God. You're a God who's relentless in his pursuit for me. You're a God that's sovereign. Now, knowing, loving, sovereign God, come into my life and fix me. So, oh, him, we used to sing at our church. And I want to close with this. The word said, oh, fix me. Oh, fix me. Oh, fix me. Fix me, Jesus. Fix me. David is saying, God, if I know that's who you are, I want all of you inside of all of me so you can fix Every area of my life. Tonight, are you willing, are you bold enough to say, God, search my heart. Search my life.
Find the areas in my life that are broken. Find the areas in my life that need help. Find the stuff in me that offends you and fix me. You're all-knowing, you're all-loving, and you're sovereign. Come into this place and fix me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. You are knowing God. You know every area about us. You are loving God. That love is willing to pursue us regardless of where we find ourselves. Tonight, God, some of us find ourselves in very high places. As a matter of fact, some of us so high to where we feel this, this strong dependence. Where there are moments where we say, shoot, I can do this almost by myself. God, there are times when, when there, we, we reach so many high moments where we feel as if we don't even need you, God. Be there in those moments, God. There are those of us who may be in this place that find ourselves in dark places, God. Isolated and lonely. God, through your word tonight, we see that even in those places, you are there. Tonight, our prayer is simple. Our request is simple, God. And it is this. Search us, O God. Know our hearts. Test us, God, and know our anxious thoughts, the areas that make us anxious, God. We bring them before you tonight. And we pray that right here, right now, in this moment, you would point out anything that offends you in our life. And lead us along the path of everlasting life. Tonight, God, show us ourselves. Help us to see the areas that are in desperate need of you. And I respond to that is, oh, fix us. Fix me, Jesus. The broken attitude, fix us, Jesus. The frustrations that we may have in our lives, fix us, Jesus. The depression that we struggle with, fix us, Jesus. The heartache that we still carry, Fix us, Jesus. Regardless of the area, regardless of the, the degree of brokenness, we call on you, God, to fix us, Jesus. Amen.